0: Take your Bibles and turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. We began a series uh, in the book of Jonah, which we have titled On the Run. And just a little bit going back, of course, we know that the of the Lord came to Jonah, for him to go to Nineveh and cry against that great city as a wicked city. And he wanted him to cry out against it, to try to warn them, to try to get them to turn to the Lord. And if they didn't, he was going to destroy the city of Nineveh, we find that uh, Jonah didn't want to go. So he finds a ship and he goes towards Tarsus and he pays the fare thereof out of his own pocket and he goes down into the ship. He's trying to get away from the presence and the plan of God. And so as we catch up here where we're at tonight, there's a storm that hits and uh, they're in in terrible shape. They've they've tried to unload the ship and tried to get... uh, the ship righted so that it wouldn't be destroyed in the storm but it's not working too well can I tell you that listen any time that you try to do things and fix things your way when God's got a plan it's not gonna work so well and so we see here that Jonah has brought a storm into the lives in his life not only but also into the life of these uh, these mariners these uh, shipmen and uh, it's about to destroy the ship if you would please stand for the reign of God's word if you're able to uh, we're going to begin in verse 7. So they said, of uh, to his fellow come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. That it, what, is, what is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, uh, that the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take, take me and cast me, uh, and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. There again in verse 12 notice there it says, And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. And notice what he says here, he says, For I know that for my sake This great tempest is upon you. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Storm is Because of Me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We're asking, Lord, that you would meet with us. Lord, there's such a great need in our day and time for us to understand, Lord, how that we can create storms in our lives and the lives of others by not following and obeying the Word of God and the plan of God. So now, Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us, that you'd guide us, and help us, Lord, to draw near to you, and to Lord, to allow you to work in our hearts and lives, even tonight. Have your will and way, Lord, in the service tonight. Speak to our hearts, draw us near to you. For this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. Probably over the years, uh, especially at times, you've heard me refer to a a title of a message that I heard many years ago. Uh, To be honest with you, I don't remember a lot about the message. I don't even remember the passage from which the message was preached. But the title of the message has stuck with me all these years. And the title of that message was, It's My Fault, Blame Me. It's My Fault, Blame Me. Sad to say, but I've seen that little message title that message play out in a lot of people's lives and seen different things that took place. What's even sadder is the preacher that preached that message many years ago, that message and that title came true in his own life. So much so that he lost his family, lost his children, and went to prison. After preaching a message about it's, it's his fault, blame me, he realized that it was his fault and his actions that brought the destruction about him. He no longer, of course, is no longer, he can no longer pastor. Uh, and uh, I'm not even sure if he's out of jail yet. I think that he, he may be. I'm not sure. But it's sad. Probably taking him to the lowest point of his life because of what he done we find here that the same is true in jonah's life and he's about to hit the lowest point of his life in the belly of a great great fish he's on the run from the presence and the plan and the will of god and he's about to wind up at the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a, a great fish could i say you can run but you can't hide You can run, but you can't hide. I want us to look at this here, and I want to begin with the mariners were in search of whose fault the storm was. You know, when there's a storm, when when I talk about storm now, I'm talking about difficulty, struggles in our lives, and maybe in our homes, or maybe in a church, or maybe in a nation, or whatever it might be in our community. People begin to point fingers, and they begin to look, they begin to talk, they begin to whisper. And one of the things they want to do is they want to find out whose fault it is. Uh, for some reason, you know, as kids growing up, uh, the first thing that we was quick to do when mom and dad would come home, it wasn't my fault. <clears throat> we wanted to make sure that they knew it wasn't our fault, and it probably was our fault. And many times what we find today is people are looking whose fault it is. Look at verse 7, it says, and, and they said, everyone to, his, uh, everyone to his fellow, come let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and a lot fell upon Jonah. you got to realize these men that are the shipmen here, and we, we could go back to uh, go into some other verses to prove this, but uh, you can look, at, look that up if you want. But these men were not a fear of the God of heaven they worshiped little gods. If you'll notice when they talked about praying unto their gods, it will be a little G when they talked about how that they prayed unto their gods. It wasn't a capital G. It wasn't Jehovah God of heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth. They had their pagan gods. These were pagan men. And so they were superstitious, you might say, in many ways. And And so one of the ways that that superstition would lie is that they would cast lots, whether it would be dice or whether it would be a a different thing that they used, I forget the name of it, that would would point out uh, who it is that was the troublemaker or whatever it might be. And it was by superstition many times. Now, if you go through the Scripture in the Old Testament, you'll find that that was used quite often to cast lots by God and by God's people to choose out somebody, if you go back to where uh, to where uh, Achan had had uh, 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 took the accursed thing, you'll find that they take and they cast lots to bring forth the, the tribe and they cast lots to bring forth the certain families and then they cast lots to bring forth uh, which particular family and they cast lots to find out which particular person was in that family who had done the sin. And it fell upon Achan And he confessed that he had sinned by taking of the accursed thing when they wasn't supposed to take of anything. And uh, the children of Israel had went to battle and they were killed. Many of them were killed uh, because of Achan. Achan created a storm. Achan created a, a troubled time for Israel. And so the lot fell upon him. Now we find here that maybe God, possibly, I believe it was, that the Lord even led the mariners to cast the lot because Jonah was, wasn't confessing yet. You have, As far as we've read, Jonah hasn't owned up that it's his fault. And so they're casting lots to find out who it is that has caused the storm. Apparently this was no regular storm. Because normally they would have said, you know, we're just in a bad storm. This is just one of those things that come up. These, these were shipmen that had, had seen all kinds of storms before. These are shipmen that was seasoned in, in sailing through storms. And apparently this was a unique storm. I don't know how it was unique, but something about this storm was unique to cause them to say, this isn't a normal storm. There's a God that's done this. It's on us because of somebody. And so they cast these lots and... And the Lord causes the lot to fall on, on Jonah. And, uh, and like I said, he wasn't confessing yet. And, and as I said before, it's natural to want to blame someone else or not to take responsibility for the storm that we've caused. Most of us don't want to take responsibility for the things that we've done that wasn't right. Most of us don't want to take responsibility, for, especially if we caused a storm that has affected other people around us. And so he hadn't got to that point yet. So many times, even as we as Christians, we, we don't want to take that blame and for our actions and we look for somebody else to shoulder the responsibility of it. And I believe that Jonah was hoping that maybe the lot would fall on somebody else. Because even when they were casting lots, he didn't confess it until it fell upon him and then he had to confess it. So the Lord allowed the lot to fall on the Jonah. And can I tell you tonight that God will allow the lot to fall upon you If you're guilty and reveal that it's your disobedience that brought the storm, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, we find over in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23, the latter part of the verse says, Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. I I often think about the different things as a kid that I thought that I had hid from my mom. I thought I had hid from my dad. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so many times we had such a. De- my brother and I once in a while would devise a plan to hide the sin, you might say. But for some reason, mom found out, or dad found out. Sometimes somebody else told us. My brother one time, my mom had told us. She said, "It was a, it was a it was early early spring, and it was still cold." And and she told my brother and I, I, "said Stay away from the creek. Don't be going down playing around the creek. You'll get in there and get wet, and you'll get sick." So we went down to the creek, and we played around the creek, and my brother thought, I can jump from this, uh, from this bank over onto that gravel bar. But what he didn't realize is that when he hit that gravel bar, it was real soft, and he sunk to about this deep in that gravel bar. So what did he do? He was wet from about here down. He pulls his socks off. He digs a hole, puts his socks in the hole in the gravel bar, puts his wet shoes back on. His britches are wet. And we go back to the house. Well, the first thing mom sees, our sins had found us out. She says, why is your britches wet? And he's just mumbling around. I said, because he jumped over across the creek and sunk down in the gravel bar. (laughs) That's what good brothers do. And she said, where's your socks? I said, he buried them. Be sure your sins will find you out, especially if you have a younger brother. Amen. And of course he had to go back and dig up the socks, and I don't remember what happened. We got in trouble for it. But things like that. We tried to glue back together things as a brother and I would get like any brothers, we'd get rough housing around and we'd break things. Well man, we thought that glue was the best thing there was, and we glue everything back together until mom's dusted and she finds out that, hey, why is this piece missing out of this? And it's just been and she could see it was glued back together. And then she she never said anything to Sherry, our sister. He was always, Rod, Rick. <laughs> like Sherry never done anything wrong. You know, I can't figure that deal out. But the fact is is that your sins will find you out. Many times we try to hide that. We try to ignore it and thinking that it will just go on by and, and will not be affected by that. And and I believe that was what was taking place here with Jonah. He thought, man, if I just keep quiet, maybe we can ride this thing out. And But the lot fell unto him. So uh, also, the lot fall, fell upon Akins. I said, Our sins always affect somebody else. You say, Well, oh, preacher, it, it, you know, if it's my sin, it's not going to affect somebody. Our sins always affect somebody else. Always. We find over in Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Our lives are continually affecting somebody else. And so that sin in our lives, at some point, somewhere along the line, can many times will affect somebody else. Many times our disobedience brings the, the storm not only to our lives, but to other people's lives, just like Jonah's storm. That storm was for Jonah, but it affected those mariners. It affected the, the shipmaster. It affected the ship. It affected the, all that that ship was carrying because they wound up tossing everything off of that ship to try to keep that ship afloat. Think of the other people as they was hauling that cargo, taking it somewhere. And here Jonah has affected the the ones that was on the ship. He's affected the ones that the goods was on the ship that they was taking someplace else. His life had, his storm had affected a lot of people. That day and time, a lot of stuff was moved by ships. Well, they knew very little about Jonah, the one that was causing the storm. Look at verse 8 and 9. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made sea, hath made the sea in dry land. Jonah had talked to these men prior to this and had told them a little about himself. And he apparently had said something to the fact that he was running from the presence of the Lord. But he never really expounded upon it. Did you notice here what he told them that there's one thing that Jonah left out? He told them he was a Hebrew. Remember what they said, what is thine occupation? Do you know what Jonah was? Jonah was a prophet of God. And Jonah never once said, I'm a prophet of God. He was too embarrassed to admit that he was a prophet of God, that that God had called him to take the message and, and to tell people about the God of heaven. After all, they had heard that he was running from the Lord. And now there's a storm because of him, and he sure don't want to tell them that he's a prophet of God. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. If you're out of the will of God, it's pretty hard to talk to people about the Lord. If you're out of the will of God, it's pretty hard to be a witness. If you're out of the will of God, it's hard to bring up the name of the Lord. Oh, many times we'll find people who say that they're saved, and we'll find people that they can talk a good talk, but when you really get into the the matter of it, they don't have much to say. Very little substance. Very little substance. Here's what's sad is we have a lot of Christians today in our day and time that, They don't have a whole lot to say about the Lord. And all around them, there's a storm going on in their families, in their friends, their coworkers. I'm not saying it's their storm, but very likely it is their storm because they're not telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not being that witness that they ought to be. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be in the will of God. I'd rather be serving God and not have the storm so that I can freely tell people about Jesus Christ without, without worrying about, oh, yeah, sure, you're a Christian, big deal. Uh, look how you're living. You know what? Today we have a lot of folks who, I've, I, I, you know, sometimes I knock on doors and, and talk to people or see somebody and talk to them, and and sometimes they'll say, oh, yeah, doesn't so-and-so, and, and uh, you know, so-and-so, and, and they claim to be a Christian. Oh, well, Yeah yeah you know, and yeah, if that's a Christian, I don't need it. Isn't it amazing the world knows what a Christian's supposed to be? And many times because of the storm in our lives, we don't have that testimony. We're not sharing the gospel like we ought to be and and trying to reach others for the Lord Jesus Christ because of that sin in our lives he was he was no witness for the Lord, a man out of the will of God. We find over there he said... Uh, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 30, it says, "...whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when the, he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Isn't it a terrible thing to think one of these days that we'll stand before the Lord? And because of the sin that was in our lives, because of the storm that we had created, we're too ashamed to tell others about Jesus Christ. And it's because of us. It's because of our sin. It's our fault. It's our fault. Blame me. Yes. We're the ones at fault. We're the ones that brought the storm. And because of that storm, we're ashamed to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he did for us at Calvary. You know what? It's sad today, but you find very few Christians that's really wanting to stand up and talk for the Lord like they ought to. But I'll tell you what, we've got to come alive and we've got to come awake. And we've got to begin to tell others about Jesus Christ. Then the mariners. Asked the right question for Jonah and for us. Look at verse 10. Then were the men exceeding afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You know, after knowing. He believed in the great God of heaven and that he created the land and the sea. And knowing that he was on the run from this very same God, they they asked why he would try to run from this great God. You know, that's a pretty good question for you and me. This is the right question for all of us in our lives when we don't obey the, the Lord or we don't trust the Lord. The question comes to us, why hast thou done this? Why hast thou done this? You think about your life and you begin to think about things a little, maybe it's little things that you struggle with. Maybe it's a little pet sin you might have, or maybe it's something that you're struggling with that keeps coming up and keeps coming up. The question is, why hast thou done this? Why? Why have you done this? When you have maybe jealousy towards someone or anger towards someone and you won't get it right. And, and the question should come to us. Why? You, you're a Christian. You know, the God of heaven and he forgave you your sins. He, he didn't hold a grudge against you, and he wasn't angry with you. Why, why do you do this? Why are you angry with somebody? Why do you? And the question is, why hast thou done this? So many times in our lives we struggle with things, and I think it's the right question. Why, you know, when you stop and, and realize that how good God's been to us, why do we do some of the things that we do? We begin to look at our weaknesses, and we begin to look at our flesh, and and many times it's, it's uh, because of selfishness, and it's because of pride that we allow those things to be in our lives. Notice here also that it was these pagan mariners who asked the question. It wasn't Jonah. It wasn't another Christian. It wasn't somebody who was walking with God, but it was the lost world asking those who said that they believed in the God of heaven, why are you doing this? Why are you living like this? Isn't it amazing the lost world knows how, we're, how we as Christians should be living? and Many times we act as though we don't know. Uh, I, I've, I've watched it over the years, and I've had different ones say, well, you know, So and so that claims to be a Christian, they do this and they do that. And the lost world knows how a Christian is supposed to be living. They know. There's something written within them that helps them to understand that, hey, listen, Christians shouldn't be living a two faced life. They shouldn't be living a hypocritical life. They shouldn't be living a life that, that says one thing on Sunday and does something else on Monday. How many times have we heard that that phrase? Well, they're just a big hypocrite. And the lost world knows. The lost world knows. And they're saying, why are you doing this? You say that you know the God of heaven. You say that Jesus Christ saved you. You say that he's changed you. Why are you just like me? Why are you doing what I do? Why do you talk like I talk? Why do you act like I act? Why do you go to places that I go? And on goes the list, and they know... That as a Christian, that there's, there should be a difference in our lives. There should be a difference that's noticeable. And, and so they, they have the question of, of why are you doing this if you're really a, a Christian? One of the things I noticed there in those verses was that Jonah didn't even try to explain. He didn't even try to explain why, because he knew he was wrong. And the storm proved that he was wrong. And he had no excuse. Can I tell you something? We don't have any excuse. We don't have any excuse. Here we sit in church. We hear the preaching of God's word. We sit in Sunday school classes. We, we hear the teaching of God's word. We hold in our hands in America. We have the word of God that teaches us and speaks to our hearts. Every born again Christian has the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us, that convicts us and draws us and works in our hearts, brings conviction when we do that which is not right. And the question still comes, why would you do such a thing? Look how good God's been to you. And I understand, we're flesh. We still have the old sin nature. And the world doesn't understand that, but it ought to cause us to stop and think. Why am I doing this? The Lord saved me from this. Why do I have this attitude? The Lord didn't have that attitude towards me. Why have I got this anger? The Lord forgave me. Why why do I, I look at that which I know is wrong? And why do I talk about that which is wrong? And why do I say those things which is wrong? The Lord has taught me what to say. And the Holy Spirit burns within my heart. You see, we all stand bare without excuse before the Lord, and no amount of words can change his mind to our thinking. So we need to look, and we need to come honest and become clean with ourselves. Notice here Jonah has only one choice, and that's to admit it's his fault. Look at verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee? that the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea wrought and was temptuous. Verse 12, and he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so, that, so shall the sea be calm unto you. And here's his confession, that he finally comes to a place. It took all this time. they thrown everything off the ship. They cast lots. They've done all these things. They asked him why he was running from his God. And finally, he says, For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. How far do we have to go before we'll admit it's our fault? How far do we have to go? How many people do we have to put in danger of hellfire before we realize that we need to straighten some things out in our lives? How far do we have to to go and what do we have to do? Hey, listen, I believe that if if we're to see real revival in our day and and in our churches as Christians, we're going to have to come clean and confess before an Almighty God our part of the storm. Our part of the storm. And say, well, preacher, we're here on Wednesday night. We're here on Wednesday night, preacher. We're we're not part of the storm. I think every one of us, if we would look closely in our lives, we'd have to say, you know what? A little bit of that storm is my fault. A little bit of that storm is my fault. You say, well, preacher, I don't know of anything that I'm doing. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not unto him it's sin or sin unto him you see it may not be what you're doing but what you're not doing it may not be what we're doing it may be what we're not doing for some reason we live in this Laodicean age and we feel like we're in good shape And have need of nothing. When's the last time that as a Christian, and I know that you being here on Wednesday night is like they say preaching to the choir, but when's the last time, and those listening, when's the last time you really got a burden for lost souls? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus Christ? And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to get us to see that sometimes it's not what we've done, but maybe something we haven't done. When's the last time that you got down, just you and God, and spent time with Him and weep and pray for this nation, for our churches, for our families, for revival? Returning back unto the Lord. You see, I, I think that, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit, I've got a part of the storm. And I think that that's one of the biggest things in, in most of our lives is that we don't want to admit that part of the storm is our fault. We become comfortable. I'm a. I like to read and study about the old-time revivals and the moving of the power of God in, in the meetings and in in an area, in towns and in a nation. And boy, I see in those as they tell about the brokenness, and the tears, and the confession of people even having hard feelings towards one another or towards a brother and sister in Christ or whatever and just all kinds of things. And and maybe people just finally come into a place so hungry for God to do something in their life and in the lives of others and and weeping for souls to be saved and lives to be changed. And I understand that not everything has to be exactly the same, but I, I guess I was raised up in a time when I seen some revivals. I seen God do some great things. And I, I look back at that somewhat and I one of the things I see, I've seen people hitting altars, weeping, broken, broken for lost souls, for family members, for next door neighbors, for, for different people that God had laid on their hearts. And I really don't see that today. We like a feel-good service. We like everything upbeat. But sometimes what we need is brokenness before the Lord. A heart that says, Lord, break it. Use me. Lord, I, I don't want to see things just be destroyed. I want, I want my kids to have. A godly nation. And so sometimes it's not what we've done, but maybe what we haven't done, and we could go on. Uh, Doesn't the scripture bear out the condition for revival in our day? If my people, that's us, which are called by my name, Christians, he's talking about you and me. He's not talking about Congress, he's not talking about the president. He's not talking about the public school he's not talking about the abortion clinics he's not talking about skid row he's not talking about the homosexual dens of this world he said if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and i think that is the very first step right there that we are missing today as christians humbling ourselves before god my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Do You want sometimes we think that only that if I bow my head and I, and I pray a prayer, that's seeking the face of God. It's not. It's not. It's not. Seeking the face of God. Lord, I want to talk to you. Lord, I have a burden. Where are you at, Lord? I, 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 I want face-to-face, God. Where are you at, Lord? I need you, Lord. Where are you at? Lord, we need you. Seeking him face-to-face. Desiring him to do something great and mighty in our lives, in our homes, in our churches. Asking God to do something that we can't do. Going way beyond, they says, and pray and seek my face. And then he says, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Sadly, there's, we're the ones seeking an answer for their plight in the storm or they were the ones, the mariners who had pagan gods, who really didn't believe in the God of heaven. And They were the ones seeking for an answer. I think a lot of lost people today are looking for an answer, and I don't think a lot of Christians are. We have the answer. Jonah wasn't seeking a way to end the storm. I think he was possibly hoping that he could just ride it out. Verse eleven says, "Then they said unto him, and here's the best question: What shall we do? What shall we do? You know, it does no good to preach a message. It does no good." To talk about the problems until we say what shall we do what shall we do and I think that some of that comes when we get on our knees say Lord I I see the problem I see the the difficulties the struggles and what we're Lord what shall we do I think that I really think that Jonah was hoping to write it out and even at the cost of them losing their lives Sadly to say, many Christians and churches are just doing the same thing, trying to ride out the storm that we're in in this wickedness today. Trying to ride out the storm and not seeking to help save the mariners in the, in the storm and that that, he, that that we allowed to come into their lives or have a real revival in, the li- in their lives in churches today. I don't think that we're saying, what shall we do? So the thought and that question that I want each of us to consider tonight, as I close, is in our lives: is what shall we do? What shall we do? The questions would be: What shall we do to bring revival? Then Chronicles seven fourteen already told us. It's not that we don't know. It goes beyond that. What shall we do to get closer to the Lord? Each of us should ask ourselves: Lord. What do I need to do to get closer to you? You say, well, preacher, I have a good walk with God. Don't you want to be closer? All of us can get closer. Closer and closer. What shall we do to reach others for for Jesus Christ? What shall we do to bring honor and glory to the Lord with our lives now? Not just when we get to heaven and and worship him around the throne and and magnify him and glorify him and, and speak of his goodness. But now, what shall we do that we might bring honor and glory to his name now? What shall we do to calm the storm around us and those that are near us? What shall we do in our lives, our homes, in our churches? Lord, what shall we do? I don't think we ask the question, so we don't get the answer. But I believe the Bible would tell us draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. You see, the best information, the best thing that we could have told Jonah in the beginning was don't run from the presence of the Lord, run to it. And as Christians today, We shouldn't run from the presence of God and what God wants us to do. We should run to it. Run to it. He says, humble yourselves, run to it. He says, pray, run to it. He said, seek my face, run to it. Run to it. That He might be glorified in all that's said and done. Let's bow. And Father, we come to you this evening asking, Lord, that you would help us to look at our own lives and realize that we have a little part probably in the storm. Help us to consider maybe it's not what we've done, but what we're not doing. Lord, we all struggle with this. It's not just one person or another. It's this preacher. It's others, Lord, all of us. Lord, help us to seek your face, to see great and mighty things happen. Lord, you said that if we would call on you, you'd show us great and mighty things. Oh, Lord, I believe you want to do that. And Lord, I pray that your church would be excited about what you want to do and be stirred. Lord, I'm not here to beat down. I'm here to say, boy, let's charge on. Let's run to the presence of God. Let's get excited about the things of God and living for him and serving him. Let there be that excitement and stirring, Lord, that we're not ashamed to, to share the gospel and to share what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts and lives. Help us, Lord, be stirred for you. May you be glorified. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you want to do. Have your one witness invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight with your heads bowed?